You're listening to Body IO FM with your hosts, Kiefer and Dr. Rocky, where cutting edge science meets the razor's edge of health and performance. Welcome to another episode of Body IO FM with your host, Kiefer, and co host, Dr. Rocky. Hey, Kiefer. I was expecting a delay this time because he's stuffing his face with food currently. And I'm in hold mode. <laughs> yeah, to, to help compensate for that, we also have AJ on the show today as well. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so uh, I'm not eating food. <laughs> <laughs> you're just slow. <laughs> <laughs> so this is everybody there's been a lot of questions about t3 since it came out because we didn't do we we weren't ready to do a full kind of product release with that i actually wasn't ready to release it at all but we decided to go ahead and release it when we released carb shock and we still haven't put out a full pamphlet of information about it so we are doing a podcast to try to answer those questions. And unfortunately, I lost the list of questions from Paula. So we're basically just going to have to kind of fly blind and hope that we get cover enough information that it answers everybody's questions, that previous questions and any future questions that might come up. So you guys ready? Yeah. Sure. So the main, the main key of, of T3 Fuel is that a lot of people have, and I don't want to say thyroid dysfunction, but they could have um, some thyroid level, uh, thyroid hormone level deviations. And those aren't always caused by the imaginary adrenal fatigue or, um, you know, your metabolism just being screwed up. You know, you, you can have some, pro- some issues due to that. You know, people who go into these heavy competitive cycles and starve themselves they can have some aberrations because of their diet. Uh, But some people just don't have the mineral support that they need. You know, it's really that simple. And then, you know, so that's, that's the main ingredients or, well, the first kind of half the ingredients, you know, there's iodine and uh, went through the research to find the biologically appropriate levels of those without causing any kind of toxicity and just literally being a supplement and not a replacement for what you should be getting in your diet. But one key feature of the metabolism and one that's very often missed is that there's a, a two-way communication cycle. So most, most, my, most of the audience of Body.io is pretty savvy. And you know that T3 helps to regulate metabolism. And it does this most clearly through the uncoupling proteins one. Uh, there, there's one through three that, are, that can play a role, but... Uncoupling protein one is kind of the main target of thyroid hormone. And this helps us to regulate internal body temperature, so on and so forth. When uncoupling protein one is turned on, essentially, it interferes with ATP production and in the process throws off a lot of excess heat. So a lot of energy that you would normally use to either store store energy or even for mechanical activity like working out or whatever – some of that energy gets thrown off as heat. So really high T3 levels make your body very inefficient. You can waste more energy. Uh, some people use it for body fat loss. In general, you need it to be somewhat healthy. But 
one thing that can happen at the cellular level that is almost never talked about. I've, I've never really seen this talked about other than in some key pieces of research. If you – a lot of times when there is a deviation in thyroid hormones, especially in women, they just – doctors just prescribe uh, some sort of thyroid, thyroid hormone therapy, uh, whether it be T3 or T4. And there, there could be a bigger problem, and that's that if the cells of your body are actually sick, particularly the mitochondria – then they are what's giving the signal to the body to decrease thyroid output. Because if your mitochondria start to get sick and then you've got this really strong signal from the thyroid that says you need to produce more energy anyway, and the thyroid and the mitochondria are sick in the process of producing energy, you're just making them sicker. So you actually have this upward feedback mechanism as well. The cells of your body can literally say, hey, we're sick. We're drowning in toxins. Don't make us produce more energy and thereby producing more toxins that we can't get rid of. You know, we need to ratchet things down. So when I looked at T3 fuel, I was looking, so, you know, how do you compensate for both of these signals? The one at the very top, uh, which is, you know, relatively easy. Some people are just deficient in minerals and, and whatnot. And then also the bottom, how do you, how do you fix things there? And the, the key ingredient that really sticks out is resveratrol. It turns out that it has just very powerful, powerful effects at the cellular level. One of those being mitochondrial health, uh, which is, you know, almost amazing. I mean, you can literally take enough resveratrol and just start making the mitochondria in your body more healthy. Uh, this, this could explain some of the longevity effects they've seen with resveratrol in uh, mice and uh, some of the protective effects that they've seen. And not only does it increase mitochondrial health, it can also increase mitochondrial biogenesis. So not only could your mitochondria be healthier, you could have a, a larger number of them, which is really important if you're producing a lot of energy or you want your body to be inefficient so you don't get fat or you can help to get rid of some body fat. You know, these are some key aspects of at the cellular level that need to be functioning properly. So that's kind of the, the whole formulation in a nutshell. We try to make sure the thyroid can produce what it needs to produce. It has all the raw materials. And we want to make sure the cells of the body are healthy enough to then respond appropriately to that signal instead of shutting it off. Uh, so we kind of target both ends of the spectrum. And in the process, if you know, and it doesn't matter if your goal is health or performance or fat loss. Um, you know, performance, you tax your body quite a bit and you actually produce uh, somewhat of a toxic load around mitochondria when you do exercise. And that needs to be cleaned up more mitochondria, less toxic load. Uh, so the biogenesis properties of resveratrol will be very important for athletes, as would the, the mitochondrial health. It can help to recover. You can help to recover more quickly. Uh, for health, obviously, we kind of went on to that. I mean, the healthier your mitochondria are, the less susceptible you are to, oh, you know, simple things like cancer. Uh, so, again, another, like, key feature of, of supplementing with resveratrol. And one, one tough thing is there's really not a lot of high-dose resveratrol products out there. Um, and that's why I'm kind of pushing it with the 250 milligrams 
per serving, I believe, or is that per capsule? You guys remember? Um, I got it right here in front of me. There we go. Um, it's per two, yeah. Yeah. So that's per serving. So, and that's pretty high dosage. You usually see dosages in the uh, amount of 25 milligrams instead of 250. Um, just frankly, because it, it's kind of expensive to get high-grade, pure resveratrol. So most places just skimp. And they justify it because there have been studies that have shown some effects, very minor efficacy at levels of 10 milligrams to 25 milligrams. Um, but really, all the interesting effects and all the label claims that most other products make don't even happen until you get over 100 milligrams. Uh, so, in, and 500 milligrams is also a good dose. So, you know, I went for very high dosage. You could take one serving a day. Uh, if your training's going through the roof or you're training for uh, something very intense coming up, you could up the dosage to two times a day to get even greater efficacy. So, you know, I wanted to kind of come back uh, to the the, sick, the sickness of the mitochondria because I, I think the way I look at it, uh, potentially there could be two reasons your mitochondria could be sick or not functioning the way it should be functioning. One is you're driving too much stuff through the nutrients or through the mitochondria in terms of nutrients. Mm -hmm. So AKA that pre-diabetic patient or the overweight patient who's just eating tons of uh, food and trying to shove a lot of energy and that's the protective mechanism that leads to shutdown potentially. And then I guess the second mechanism would be kind of the opposite, the chronic dieter who's just not eating enough calories and you're not providing the sustenance you need. And so because of that, um, for whatever reason, that could potentially portray a mitochondrial slowdown as well. Does that seem like a logical way of thinking about that? Uh, I think it's kind of, I, you, you have the first one, I think you nailed it. So if you're eating too many nutrients or the wrong type of nutrients, uh, say, for example, carbohydrates and with insulin loads, you're shutting off the protective processes around the mitochondria. And like you said, you're shuttling a lot of nutrients through it at the same time. So you've shut down the protective processes, you're forcing nutrients through it, and they do get very sick. So that's the Get more side. reaction, oxygen species, yada, yada, yada. So. Exactly. And you turn off the protective mechanisms from reactive oxygen species. It's like the perfect storm of destruction. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you're, you nailed that one. But I think on the other side, when you exercise too much and your caloric load is too low, I think that's when it specifically targets thyroid gland output. So T3 fuel is not going to magically fix that problem. Um, that problem needs to be handled also with diet and training, you know, getting that at appropriate levels. Uh, so, you know, unfortunately, it's... It wouldn't be like supplementing with Cytomel or, you know, a T3 hormone. Right. Um, you'd I guess I was, I, was trying to, I was trying to imply that the second scenario here is um, the top-bottom scenario. Yes. And the first scenario is the bottom-up scenario. Right. And the top-down scenario is the one where there, there could be a lot of factors. You know, you might right. have to clean up your diet and, you know, train more appropriately. Um, in terms of resveratrol, have you seen any negative effects of resveratrol? No, uh, other are, than... Are there any downsides, I guess, you know? I mean, you always want to ask the, the counterpoint, so to speak, right? Yeah, yeah. The So the study I found with the highest dosage uh, given to humans, uh, so these this is all human research, uh, the highest dosages I could find was five grams daily. 
which is a lot. And there were, (laughs) yeah, well, and that's what happened too. crap. So the only negative side effect they saw in blood work and everything else was uh, the incidence of diarrhea was pretty high at five grams per day. Um, But other than that, I haven't seen any, anything. I mean, that's the most toxic it gets. If you, so if you took, let's see, basically a bottle of T3 in a day, it would probably give you diarrhea, and that's the worst thing that would happen to you. Yeah. yeah. I think so. the other thing to stress here is that, you know, if you do have a thyroid condition or if you are hypothyroid, you know, I don't think, I don't think it's logical to think that you can take T3 and it's going to replace everything else. I think that, I think that the, T, the T3 fuel is certainly an adjunct and a supportive mechanism. Um, and, you know, if you have, because I know I get lots of patients coming in because I don't want to be on their thyroid medicine anymore. I want to be off my thyroid. I don't want that condition anymore. I'm like, well, um, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You've got a lot of work to do before that happens. But uh, if I could just add on to that, sorry, if you're, you can finish up, but I'll add on. Well, the only time I was ever actually hypothyroid uh, and the doctor wanted to prescribe uh, hormone therapy to me was when, uh, it was about five years ago, I was doing a low-fat uh, diet experiment. And uh, before, you know, I was doing cardio is when I learned to, I, I ran for the first time in my life, which, oh, that's just another story in itself. But, um, you know, the doctor wanted to put me on thyroid hormone therapy. Luckily, this was, I kind of knew this was all going astray, like within about two months of this happening. I had stopped and I was able to reverse that right away too. So I, I always encourage my clients because I see a lot of this where it's like tons of cardio training, really low calories. Yes, they're on thyroid medication and they're talking about T3, but it's like you also have to look at your, your training and nutrition. Um, I'm going to so, assume that your TSH probably wasn't like 50 or 75. It was no. probably like, like six or seven maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that was just catching it right there. And I just said to my doctor, hey, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to go back to not doing any cardio. If it doesn't fix itself, then obviously I have to deal with this uh, with medication. But luckily in my scenario, it did. Well, yeah, again, that's, that's an even more perfect storm. And that's uh, why they call... What is that? The um, what? What is? What do they call that in the papers? Basically, when women are misdiagnosed with hypothyroidism, and it's becoming more and more common. Um, when they're misdiagnosed. Yeah, I, I wrote an article about it. Know. That's that's the one that blew up. Basically, why women shouldn't run. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you, yeah, that that's a very common feature, and if we think of pattern sets that have certain outcomes. Um, you know, something akin to patterns of health, like uh, in Fred's book, you know, one pattern that has a specific outcome uh, is that, you know, women who tend to run specifically for health and fat loss are very frequently diagnosed with hypothyroidism. And, you know, there's several reasons for that. And, you know, AJ, you're kind of, you kind of just hinted at the perfect storm. You've got excessive exercise energy usage output you've got low calories so this is a clustering of effect and it usually it usually comes with women who run as their primary form of exercise and run a lot um so they they're exercising a lot or they're expending a lot of energy they've got reduced calories and they usually eat a high carbohydrate low fat diet 
you have the perfect storm of thyroid dysfunction. You're making your cells sick. You're making your mitochondria sick. You are using too much energy, so your your body is downregulating thyroid hormone at the top and bottom levels to help you be more efficient because you're doing all this extra work and mitochondria getting sick at the same time. I mean, I mean that that's the perfect storm of the body shutting down thyroid production and TAs. TSH levels will be low. T3 levels will be low. And it's just TSH because... TSH will be high. Huh? TSH will be high. Well, so, wait. That's... When you shut down thyroid, right? It's opposite. Okay, so my fault. TSH would be up. T3 levels would be down. Rocky, what? You were starting And T4 to go- would be down as well. So, right. yeah, I, I think, like, you're describing it is the perfect storm. And, um, you know, obviously, I'm more cardiovascular inclined and... When you see, you, you're just shoving, because of the amount of volume of work that athletes are doing or some athletes are doing, and if they're chronically under eating or uh, doing things that are de- uh, denying the nutrition they need, um, you have this, per- like you say, a perfect storm. You're attacking it from the bottom and you're attacking it from the top. And what you'll see is, I think, I, you know, I love the term, I love, I like the, the term reaction to oxygen species because that's the byproduct of energy. That's your mitochondria or your factory. And the smokestack is ROS. And so the more you shove through your mitochondria, the more ROS you can potentially make. And, you know, some's good, but a lot's probably not good. And that whole mechanism is really important. And I think that's one of the main drivers why you see people who are doing chronic endurance training or high volume. It might not even be endurance. It could be just high volumes of work um, that uh, and then are chronically under eating. So like you mentioned, that subset of populations of housewives or women in their 30s to 50s who do lots of cardio and, and do Weight Watchers or whatever the diet plan may be, right. you are setting them up for a perfect storm for failure. It's not going to be everybody, but um, certainly I can see that happening. And you know, you'll see patients that have mildly elevated TSHs and they were normal five years ago but when they weren't doing a lot of the stuff they did when they started to quote unquote change their lifestyle. Yeah. So, um, and, and like you say, in, in Alex's or in AJ's case, um, you know, she was able to correct it just by kind of dialing things back. So, all I did was, uh, well, cut down my carbs again, up my fat, and stop doing cardio. That was that was it. Right, and and that's that's an important yeah. differentiate differentiator, like pushing carbohydrates. Um, I'll have to look at the number of concentration to give the the X factor, like how many times bigger it is, but burning carbohydrates for energy, it's got to go through pyruvate first before it can go into the, the energy matrix in the mitochondria. And that produces a lot of reactive oxygen species. It is not equivalent to pushing fat through the same system. There's nowhere near the amount of reactive oxygen species that are created if you're oxidative with fat compared to even oxidative with carbs. And that's one reason resistance training almost always causes a buildup of reactive oxygen species. In that case, it's hormetic and therefore beneficial. But that's because you almost, if you resistance train hard, you're almost always pushing into an anaerobic cycle. So you're forcing the burning of carbohydrates in that instance. So that's a very big differentiator in why a high-carb, low-fat diet is always going to set you up for a very large potential uh, or high probability of being sick and developing these 
metabolic diseases that we see all the time, including cancer. Uh, you know, we've had Dom, Dr. Dom D'Agostino on the show and there's a very, and, and Dr. Feynman as well. And they're both finding very, very clear connections and very strong arguments that even cancer is a metabolic disease caused by mitochondrial dysfunction, which you can trace back to chronic overload of carbohydrates with the introduction of insulin that shuts down all the protective mechanisms. I mean, I, I just don't know how much clearer this can get. Obviously, you know, I'm starting to get into a rant and get off of the T3 topic a little bit, but it all comes together. You know, and, and so many people were upset about that running article because, you know, I was talking about this clustering of effects um, that is unfortunately often seen in women. And that's why women are targeted for these programs like um, the Nike Women's Marathon, you know, and team and training. They target women heavily because women do have this clustering of patterns that really make them susceptible to that kind of marketing and those kind of events. And, you know, most of the uproar out there, you know, my favorite, the person who wrote most extensively writes and makes their living from writing for Runner's World magazine. Of course, they're going to complain when I say, you know, you probably shouldn't run. Um, you know, you kind of got to look at a conflict of interest there, whereas I, you know, I'm just trying to tell people – uh, you know, that that's the whole point of body IO is just give you information to make you healthy. It's, I don't really profit from telling people not to run. Um, well, I guess it would depend on what your goal is. So if your goal is to run a marathon, then that's a different story, right? I mean, right, right. If not, not to say that not nobody in this conversation would be making that their goal, but right, right, <laughs> no. exactly. You know, if, if that's your right, exactly. Like you said, you know, I don't think being, um, Mr. Olympia getting to that size is, I mean, there's a lot of health deficit to that as well. I'm not saying that everybody should go do something like that either. Um, but, you know, if that's somebody's goal, I'm not going to, you know, tell them not to do it as long as they understand the, the ramifications. Well, something I saw a lot working in a big box gym was a, a lot of women I met that had office jobs and there's, you know, an office community there and then they would always have these fundraising marathon office, uh, like they would all get together and do it as a, a team. And it was, they really played on their emotions because they were doing it for charity. And, you know, if you want to, if you want to donate to, cha to the charity, you got to be involved in this. And I was like, you know what, don't do the marathon. Uh, just donate, just pick up the phone or write a check or do something. And that just always really bugged me that people were kind of guilted into these charity marathons um, and these are people that really, they were kind of on that brink that you're describing where it was just like the perfect storm. And I'm like, you're not doing the charity marathon. You're going to make a donation and you can go help out on the sidelines. That's your donation. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but unfortunately, helping out on the sidelines. So my favorite team in training because helping out on the sidelines there means <laughs> handing out M&Ms and gumby, gummy bears because that's the fuel you need when you run. They seriously yep. do that, and that's what they teach the people who do team and training. Like, I, I it's just disgusting. Everything about it is disgusting to me. <laughs> I mean they they choose they choose a susceptible tar population, women who are already probably you know have some difficulty with their health or self image problems. So they target a susceptible population, then. They get them to do something that 
they would be highly susceptible to being addicted to in this clustering of effects, which is running or some sort of cardio. Then they play on the emotional aspect of it to make it even more binding. And then when they're out there running, say, oh, you need to eat more because you're doing more activity. And the best thing for you to eat is M&Ms and gummy bears because you're burning up all your carbohydrates right now when you run. Like how much were, if I could, if I could formulate the ultimate plan to make women specifically sick, unhealthy, and battered at the end of a four-week course, it would be team and training. Agreed. I mean, I hate to say it. They, they've got a great cause, but I'm, I'm all with AG on this one. Like, just donate to cancer research. Stop, stop participating in an event that may increase your chance of cancer from these metabolic diseases just so you can pay for the research that might save you down the road. Just pay for the research. I would concur. I think that that's, uh, it is, seems like that, they, that would be a much better uh, fruitful endeavor, right? I mean, just to get the research done. Yeah. But, you know, it's all, that's not, it's not about research. It's about marketing. You know, most of these organizations have got budgets they've got put together and, you know, they're driving, they're driving things in a, in a way that they need to keep their business going. Right. 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 And so now that we, we've had a rant and we've described all the problems that could happen, with the thyroid and the cells of your body that might become <laughs> sick, we can actually make this the T3 fuel question and answer podcast for the last 30 minutes. Um, so question number one, question so number one, can you take T oh, can you take ahead. T3 fuel if you're on thyroid supplementation? Oh yeah. Well, wait, 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 wait. Thyroid supplementation as in thyroid if hormone med supplementation. If you're on, medication. If, no, okay. if you're on prescription, prescription drugs. Yes. Yes. Um, I've seen that come up on Facebook and Twitter a couple, many times. So I thought I'd just, you know, get that one easy one, knock that softball out of the park. Yeah. Well, and that's an important one too, because if you're on thyroid hormone supplementation, so medication, um, you're forcing your cells to stay, you know, highly active energetically. You could be making them more sick. So, uh, you know, I would say in that instance, you really want to be on T3 fuel as an adjunct. Um, until whatever the main issue is, is resolved, or maybe the main issue really is your, your thyroid has shut down from some sort of damage or poison or toxicity, um, that's occurred. And then, you know, it's just going to be a powerful adjunct to keep everything running smoothly. Do you agree with that, Rocky or? Yeah, definitely. All right. Did, did, does that mean you have a question number two or you just have the question number one? Uh, I'm just good for one question. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can do question number two and All three. Right. Okay, go for question okay, number two. Uh, most common question I get is, "What time of day should I take T three? And the other question is, uh, "Wait, wait, wait! One, about one question at a time." Oh, okay, let's not mix. <laughs> so let's not mix two. and mingle. Yeah. Okay. So number two is okay. what time of day to take T three fuel? Uh, it doesn't. So one thing that doesn't matter is whether it's with or without a meal, although if you take it with a high fat load, you could decrease the overall uh, bioavailability um, by, by actually a significant percent. So you, you're better off trying to you know, take it by itself, or if you're on carb backloading, uh, take it in the evening with your uh, – no, I'm going to rescind that. You're better off uh, taking it before you've ingested anything else. Um, if, 
because the ideal time to take T3 uh, to get the highest absorption rate is first thing in the morning. Um, and that's because you do have a circadian rhythm of some of the enzymes that can break down resveratrol and decrease bioavailability. And those enzymes are lowest in the morning. So T3 fuel, you should be taking at least one dose. If you're on one dose a day, you should be taking it in the morning. Um, that's the time of day to take it. Now, I've got a little caveat to that. Um, but we'll wait because I want to talk about leucine and T3 fuel taken together. So basically, um, I designed carb shock and T3 fuel to be taken together for a synergistic effect of both. So let's go on to question number three. Um, it was just mostly about uh, caffeine in the morning. So if you were going to take this, let's say someone wants to wake up first thing in the morning, have a coffee and take their T3, is there any um, interference with iodine absorption in the presence of caffeine? You could marginally see an effect. Um, if w What I would recommend is taking the T3 fuel either before your coffee or later on after your coffee. Uh, trying to take it on an empty stomach in the morning, whether that's pre-coffee, post-coffee, you know, pre-bacon and eggs, post-bacon and eggs. Try to get it somewhere in there where you're taking it on its own if, if you are taking it in the morning, particularly on days when you're not training to try to get it in the morning. All right. have, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the perfect segue oh, to okay. what you're going to talk about. All right? all right. This is a question I'm pulling off of Facebook. Is it common with T3 fuel and or carb shock to get wicked hot at night? Not sweating, <laughs> but my legs are on fire. Um, that was, the, I saw that on Facebook. So I thought maybe that might be a segue to what you're maybe alluding to. Uh, it wasn't necessarily. No, sorry. <laughs> That's Okay. Because it's not entirely common that that's usually more highly related to being, I mean, it's a good sign that means you are highly insulin sensitive uh, and it's going to raise your metabolism and every, it's a good sign. It means everything is running incredibly well at that point and your body is becoming efficient, which means T3 fuel and carb shock are doing their job and you are as well. Uh, you've got your training dialed in, your diet's pretty good. Uh, that's a really good sign. Not the segue I was looking for for the combination of T3 and leucine, but it could work. So one of the main pathways of activation and benefit for resveratrol is uh, through the CERT1 uh, gene pathway. And that's, what is that silent something, something transmitter, Rocky? No. S Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> Man. Anyway. Um, it's my lunch hour. I'm trying, I'm trying to eat. Okay, that's fine. Anyway, uh, it works through the CERT1 uh, pathway, and it turns out metabolites of leucine also work through that pathway. Um, but interestingly, you know, there, there's sometimes this interplay and this competitive activation between mTOR that we talked about, which is a very important positive regulator of um, muscle growth and tissue repair in general, and the CERT1 gene activation. Usually one is down when the other is up and vice versa. Uh, we have this really interesting synergism that's been shown in the research between taking high amounts of leucine and high amounts of resveratrol at the same time, and we see greater fat oxidation both in fat cells 
and in muscle cells, and we actually see greater hypertrophy signals in muscle cells as well when these two are taken together. Uh, so exactly why that is, we could only have speculation at the moment. They're going to need to do some knockout studies to see which, which pathway or combined pathway is really the key to that mechanism. Uh, but we do know that the two together are a very powerful adjunct. Um, so I think it's silent mating type uh, information, right? Something silent like information, something trans regulation. Silent information regulation transcriptor, something like that. Yeah, and it's silent mating type information regulation, but I don't remember the end part of it. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, basically, those are the genes that are turned on when you starve. Uh, it makes your cell very efficient, turns on autophagy and other internal cleanup processes so that your cells can clean up all the debris inside and start using that debris for self-repair. So activating CERT1 from time to time is highly beneficial. Uh, that's where the intermittent fasting camp gets some of their benefit. Unfortunately, they don't really understand biochemistry really well and all they have is a hammer so everything looks like a nail to them and they just say fast um, but there there's other ways to get highly beneficial properties out of this without the the downsides um, so in this instance uh, if you're if you are training you know how you would want to stage is you would want to take t3 actually pre-workout because it can take an hour to an hour and a half for blood levels to rise after taking uh, resveratrol and then post-workout when you take your carb shock you've got large amounts of leucine as well as um, 4-hydroxyisoleucine which is a metabolite of leucine actually and those in combination with the resveratrol being elevated at the same amount of time are going to give you very powerful uh, both restorative effects from your training and benefit from the training that you just did so that would be the instance where you might not want to take your resveratrol first thing in the morning, or if you're taking two doses a day, you'd want to take one in the morning and then one immediately prior to training. So that was the caveat on when you should take T3 fuel. So if you're taking T3 fuel with carb shock, um, that's how I would take it. I would take it immediately before training and then, you know, have my carb shock after training. More questions? I'm looking anything else interesting so we we could talk about you know one reason i wanted aj on the show uh is as as everybody knows we're you know separating off a a female version of uh, body io radio uh which aj will be co-hosting with alex navarro and and aj had very specific female benefits is the best way to phrase it um, that she said she'd be willing to talk about on the show uh, just to help help explain, you know, how you could have uh, some cellular dysfunction and possibly already uh, – it, it really is, you know, kind of modic, mitochondrial dysfunction that you may not even be aware of um, and therefore, you know, you're not doing anything to specifically target, which – is a whole nother podcast, you know, how you, how you would want to specifically target mitochondrial health and biogenesis. So would you, is that enough of a lead in for you, AJ or? You sure. More? I might as well just 
get right to it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so dysmenorrhea, which most people probably don't know what that is unless you have it. Which is fine. um, So the male audience may be totally clueless. Yes, and it's okay. But I actually do want to explain how bad it actually is. I just uh, came up with a really interesting, or just found a really interesting study. So uh, dysmenorrhea is reoccurrent severe lower um, menstrual pain. And um, to give you an idea of how severe it is, because I think it's important for some people that maybe uh, live with women that suffer with this, I think sometimes we, we, I think we, they think that we're crazy or we're drama queens. Cause like, I mean, I have actually passed out on the bathroom floor more than once. Like the pain is unreal. So the study that I uh, just came across the other day was they, uh, they inserted a balloon catheter uh, into the uterine cavity to measure the tension uh, in the uterus walls for women that have this condition and I should clarify that I have what's called primary dysmenorrhea, so I don't have any kind of pelvic. Um, the, the the pelvic uh, pathology is normal, right? And I don't have like endometriosis or anything like that. So it's just strictly an issue with uh, elevated prostaglandins and uterine contractions that re- result in severe pain. So in this experiment, where they inserted this uh, balloon catheter into the uterine cavity. Um, to give you an example, good labor pains for childbirth are about 50 millimeters of mercury. And uh, in patients of, with dysmenorrhea... That's a pressure. Yeah, pressure, pressure yes. 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 And uh, in, uh, so, so for women who have dysmenorrhea, they're measuring 150 millimeters of mercury. So that's three times of what good labor pains are like. And that's why uh, <laughs> it's so severe. You go through this every month for about four days, and it, it literally just wipes you out. Like not only during that time, but it's exhausting, and it takes days to recover after. So I have suffered for this uh, with this. Sorry, my whole my whole life. Ever since I was a teenager, I've missed tons of school, tons of opportunities in my life because of this condition, and so. Something I found interesting was I was taking a, a herbal or mineral thyroid support before I started using T3. And, and this ongoing problem was something I'd never, I've never been able to fix. I've tried everything. I mean, that's another episode on Herbody IOFM. But um, so before I started taking T3, I was taking a thyroid mineral support. Uh, didn't think it was, uh, I don't know, I thought it was okay. But then not not only like it was actually immediately so i started taking the t3 towards the end of um menstruation and by the next month i have and it's been 4 months now will be going on 5 this month that i have had absolutely no pain <laughs> and that's never happened in my life uh i might have a month that's a little bit better than another month but i've never had no pain no vomiting um, nausea, and I mean when I when I say you pass out because of the pain, that's happened uh, several times. Uh, so it's going on five months now that since I've been taking T3 that I've had this complete 180 turnaround. So I just started, you know, looking at some research in line, and of course, what did I come up with? Resveratrol 
has been used in a lot of studies to uh, prevent and minimize uterine contractions, which I had no idea about. I've never found that trying to figure out how to solve this problem before. <laughs> so that's my story uh, about how, what T3 has done for me. Uh, and it was just a you know, bonus benefit that I never thought was ever going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, T3 fuel obviously has a, a lot of applications and a lot of um, therapeutic endpoints because of the resveratrol um, that is in it and the high dose that is in there. That was, that was one thing that I really wanted to make sure of is I got a very effective dose per serving and not... So, you know, you get a bottle and you've got to take five servings a day to get up to, you know, something decent in concentration. Like the one serving and you're at very therapeutic dosages. Two servings and you're pretty much at the max therapeutic dosage that you, you could get benefit from in that instance. So, um, yeah, I don't, what other questions do we have? You still going through stuff on Facebook, Rocky? Yeah, I was going to say, just, just to mention, you know, when you talk about dysmenorrhea, one of the causes of the symptoms is you get excess prostaglandin formation, and that causes the constriction of the blood vessels. And, you know, that's the effect that resveratrol may have is that it helps um, in that. Well, that's one of the probably one of the mediated actions of why it helped, may, might have made it helped your symptoms that you had along with that. So, um, yeah, I had a – let me pull back up again here. Hold on a second. I got a question – um, I'm not on thyroid meds, but have issues with being cold and want my thyroid to be optimal. Um, so my question is how long do I supplement with T3, um, fuel? Well, I, that's, it's so vague to, to, to just hear that. I mean, the, the causes could be so varied. I mean, honestly, T3 fuel is a supplement I mean, so so these things I, I pretty much designed with me in mind, um, and T3 Fuel is something I would and will take for the rest of my life as long as I have access to it. I mean, there there is no reason you should not be taking T3 Fuel. Um, and, and I'm not saying this so, you know, people constantly buying T3. Like, high-dosage resveratrol is really nothing but benefit, and it will benefit you the rest of your life. It will slow the aging process. It'll increase the repair process. Um, you could potentially reduce your risk of cancer and um, mitochondrial damage, which could be, you know, the start of the of cancer. You know, and even it's even being used in some types of cancer as adjunct therapy to chemotherapy. I mean, this you really cannot give yourself a healthier supplementation uh, outside of the right kind of food. I, I, there's so much research coming out on resveratrol and not just, you know, we found this in this in mice or whatever. You know, we are finding in good human data a lot of these positive benefits that we're seeing in animals as well. Uh, so, you know, to, to answer that question, if anybody ever asked me, me personally, how long I will take T3 fuel, my answer will be as long as I have access. And if for some reason I stop making T3 fuel – then I will find another supplement that has at least that dosage of resveratrol in it so that I can continue to take that. Makes sense. Yeah, so the reason I mean, you're cold all the time, though, 
I, I can't say resveratrol is going to fix that or T3 fuel is going to fix that. Uh, there, there could be a lot of complicating factors there. Yeah, it certainly could be yeah. a, it, it could certainly be a, a hypothyroid symptom as well, you know? Right. And, you know, and who knows? Tolerance is a symptom yeah. of hypothyroidism, so. Yeah. Oh, I think a lot of people were asking too, but can they take it if they're hyperthyroid? Um, I would say even in that instance, it's a good idea. So the mineral supplement, the mineral support part of resveratrol is not, it's not magical. If all other things are equal and you should be at an optimal thyroid hormone level, but you can't be because you're missing certain raw materials, then T3 fuel will allow you to raise up to the levels that your body is trying to make but can't because it doesn't have the raw materials. So it, it is not going to be uh, a trigger. Uh, there is one ingredient in the mix that is there specifically because it can help to um, essentially mitigate a drop in thyroid output uh, whenever there are times of stress overload. Uh, so it does actually have one component to help be protective against deviations when you do have some stress or new stress overload, which could be from too much exercise or you accidentally dip in calories for too long. Uh, so there are several targets in the formula. There's one target is to give your thyroid the raw materials to be to produce as much as it's capable of. Another target is to kind of create a, basically the component of health that I call, you know, the robust component where you can experience large deviations either because of too much exercise, too much stress, and it can help to, uh, it can help your thyroid to continue to operate at normal levels instead of being so sensitive uh, to those stress loads. And then the third component is the cellular component. So if your cells are sick and telling your body not to produce thyroid hormone because it might make you more sick, uh, we can then target that as well. So there, there's three phases in T3 fuel. Um, there is a component that will allow maximal production. There's a component that makes the thyroid more, more robust and resistant to energy fluctuations or stress fluctuations. And then there's a component that makes the cells of the body healthier in order to allow um, more energy production or, you know, in, in this one, one instance we were talking about, better, to better cold tolerance. So whether you're hyperthyroid, hypothyroidic, hypothyroidic, or even, you know, normal, uh, there, there's really nothing but positive reasons you should be taking T3 fuel. I mean, the, this is the supplement that really should have been the flagship, uh, I, I think, that I should have brought out. Um, but Carb Shock uh, had more time with and had more time to market and what that marketing message would be. So, you know, that became the flagship release. Um, plus, it's very specific to my protocols. I mean, even beyond thyroid health, I mean, polyphenols like resveratrol are really, really um, beneficial for vascular health as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that there are multiple benefits just beyond thyroid. 
um, for such a compound. So, and, you know, in, in, in my practice, we do, you know, advanced inflammatory testings. And one of the first things we'll do is we'll start them on polyphenols like resveratrol. Uh, and now that T3 is available, that's one of the ones I'll be recommending. So. Uh, I, the one thing about the cold tolerance I thought was interesting. And for those of you research buffs out there who want to try to look into this before I do, I was just kind of curious if, uh, resveratrol could actually have some influence on beige fat cells. Uh, those are the fat cells that can kind of swap between storage versus energy production, uh, in the case of of like brown fat. So it's, it's kind of a cell that sits between this area of white fat cell and brown fat cell and they call them beige fat. I was wondering if there's some activation potential there uh, as well. And that could explain some of the things we see in higher fat oxidation with supplementing with uh, resveratrol. And it could be that there might be a shift from some white fat cells into some beige fat cells from storage into energy production. Maybe, you know, something about questions that I see all the time, especially when this came up, there was a lot of chatter um, on some of the Facebook groups and something that I see with women that message me. They they really don't understand what symptoms of hypothyroid even are. Like, I think a lot of women have just come to think that these things that they experience are just normal, <laughs> uh, like losing your hair and being cold all the time. So I don't know if that's something that, you know, we want to touch on a little bit. Um, maybe some red flags, Rocky, you must see that all the time. That's, that's <laughs> like, man, for a red flag, when you start losing your hair, I mean, that's the equivalent of getting hit by a bus. I mean, if you haven't noticed the red flags up to that point, you're, you're very, you're very resistant to the signals that your body is trying to tell you that something is wrong. But anyway, go on. Yeah, I would, it does, I does happen. You, I mean, but it's very, it, very common. No, I, I know all the time. Yeah, and I'm, it's, it's kind of frightening. <laughs> yeah, it's Commonly, it is. You know, anytime you anytime you you diet, that's a stressor on your body, and if you're losing your hair, that should be a signal um, that something is going on. Um, and especially crash dieting will give you that. If you're post, um, if you've just given birth to a child, you know, postpartum, that's a big stressor. Giving birth to another human being is a very stressful situation in the body that can give you hair loss. I mean, there are a lot of different causes. So, but yeah, it is a, it, it's, if you're losing your hair, there's a significant amount of stressor going on that you should be clued into. And obviously for some of these obvious situations, you can pick them out, but in some of the less obvious situations, you know, it could be, you know, you know, all the other things they had mentioned in terms of, you know, calorie consumption and working and exercising, things like that. Was there a question in there that we just answered or didn't answer? Well, I was just thinking about some symptoms of hypothyroid for women because I knew that did come up a little oh, bit online. That's right. So, th uh, so besides dry, dry hair skin, loss, one. okay, yeah, You're dry right. skin, constipation, um, inability to lose weight. Obviously, is the big one that everyone comes in into me for um, cold intolerance, um, fatigue, um, mental. Uh, not mean mentally clear. Sometimes you can see some fogginess, mental fogginess. Those are some other the symptoms that you can see and. And with hypothyroid type symptoms. And, you know, here's the thing. You don't have to have abnormal labs per se to not, and, and say, a lot, I see a lot of um, patients coming in and providers will tell their patients their TSH is fine. You don't have hypothyroidism, even though they're having some symptoms. So I think you really have to, it, it's a grain of salt and it's a bit of clinical acumen to say, even if the numbers are quote unquote normal, if you're symptomatic, there may be still some, some benefit 
whether you start with T3 fuel or you start with a t- thyroid medication. Um, and, you know, in, in terms of cardiovascular benefit, we know there's a large trial out of Europe that showed that, you know, even though our normal range of TSH is like 0.5 to 4.5, depending on the lab that you use, we know that women that have TSH, TSHs less than 2.5 have less risk of cardiovascular disease. So, you know, there's some wiggle room in there, but um, you, you won't get much support from the academics because it's not something that's in the academic literature with large trials, you know. Great. We're, we've actually managed to almost fill up an hour uh, on this topic, and it, it's a huge topic. Uh, we could go on to – when talking about the thyroid and metabolism uh, and deviations that can arise and things that can cause those deviations – I mean, we could we could fill probably multiple hours having a roundtable about that, um, and we would never have to bring up the uh, subject of paleo and that it's the food you're eating that's poisoning you that's causing thyroid problems. Uh, th- th- there are legitimate and not imaginary reasons why you might be having having thyroid right. issues, and most of them are the elephants in the room. Um, it's not because you're, you know, you have a food allergy or it's not because you've got, uh, what's it called? Uh, adrenal fatigue, you know, an, another of the paleo mythology, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it really most likely is the elephant in the room. You're exercising too much. You have too high of a stress load in your life for whatever reason, and you're eating too few, too little food, or you're eating a diet that's extremely high in carbohydrates, you know? And, and that was the clustering we were talking about. Unfortunately, women are a huge target of this type of marketing and exercise message. And guess how many of those elephants in the room, they are told to, you know, pack in. They're told to do the excessive amounts of exercise. They're told to not eat very much fat. They're told to cut their calories down. And then that results in a, a major life stress load. They, they get all four right off the bat. Uh, and I think that's why, you know, that's part of the reason w- we need, you know, so much information that's tuned just to women uh, because they, they are targets of this information. They are targets of this patterning. Um, they're unfortunately susceptible to this patterning. And most of the information that's out there and that's fed to them was, you know, seen in male populations is prescribed by male coaches to other males and they've just decided, well, this must be applicable to women too. And I think it makes, it makes the whole situation worse. And there's team and training. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) No, any, any, you guys are welcome to rant, not rant, be, you know, any, Final thoughts on T3 fuel. So, you know, at, at this point, you know, my position on T3 fuel because of its main ingredients, this is a supplement. Uh, literally, I will take for as long as I'm able to manufacture it. And if I can no longer manufacture it, I will find a replacement. Um, AJ is definitely sold. You know, there, there are very specific benefits for women. Uh, across the board, whether that's T3, uh, whether that's reproductive health, uh, you know, there, there are multiple benefits just for women. And Rocky, at, at this point in the show, has already, you know, given us metal, uh, uh, medical adjunctive reasons uh, to want to take polyphenols, uh, resveratrol in particular. 
so, you know, T3 fuel is a good recommendation in those instances. So is there anything else anyone would like to add, especially if I misspoke and you don't really believe what I just attributed to you? No, I think it, I think T3 is a solid recommendation for just about every client that I've seen. T3 well, fuel, sorry. Is, yeah, I was going to say, let's be clear yeah, on that one. Client, <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I feel that T3 fuel would be a really solid recommendation, you know, just based on every client that I've worked with for the last couple of years. It's something that they can benefit from, you know, even family members, everything. For me, it's it's been something that's been a solid recommendation and should be included in your supplement regimen. I think that was a pretty good summary that you gave up in terms of our opinions about resveratrol and polyphenols and T3 fuel. So, like I said, you know, I'm always looking at the cardiovascular angle and the diabetic angle, and certainly I think it's appropriate for all of those patients. And you know, we know there's no shortage of those patients around. So, yeah, that that's for sure. Um, and you know, from the performance side of things, it will help you to get better performance gains, and that almost doesn't matter what type of performance, whether it's endurance, uh, strength endurance, like I like to call it, or hypertrophy, um, there are distinct benefits for you across the board. So you have health benefits, you have performance benefits, um, you know, you've got metabol metabolism benefits. Uh, I, I just, I don't know what else more we can say about it. We can recap pretty quickly. You know, everybody should be taking this stuff. Uh, is is basically the synopsis. And you should be taking it first thing in the morning, particularly on non-training days. Take it by itself or with some water or something um, that does not have a lot of fat. And if you, if it is a training day, particularly if you're on if you're also using carb shock as an adjunct, then you want to take your T3 fuel before your training, uh, assuming you're going to take carb shock after your training. And I think that pretty much covers it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Wait, that was a. Uh, we did much better with this episode than I thought we were going to. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, Good. unless anybody's got any sum up comments, we can wrap it up. No, I just don't know if maybe you want to put something in the notes for the podcast about pregnant or nursing women. Uh, just would, because. would you like to elaborate? Well, I don't know, just because we said everyone should be taking it. Someone's going to be like, mm. I don't know, just that they... Well, it's actually interesting because I don't know if we have any reason to say yes or no in that scenario. I don't know either. I just yeah. thought because it's on the packaging. But well, anyway, you know, the pa- yeah, the the packaging's very clear. Um, yeah, so I don't think we need know, to go there. Nursing pregnant women, you might want to consult your doctor. And well, you know, technically we have to say that about everything. So. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just, I just, I guess it was just in my head because I see all these, these women on these chat forums and they asking all this stuff about nutrition to these, no, the people that don't do anything and they're pregnant. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Or like carb sane, yeah. like asking carb sane for advice. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it just drives me nuts. <laughs> up. Well, what's funny is she, you know, she used to be a teacher and you can still find her student reviews on the university website that she was at. We'll, we'll try to find that link and post it. Her students were just nothing but denigrating of her ability to not only understand the material or not only teach the material, but try understanding the material that she was teaching. I thought that was very interesting. Just a little carb scene adjunct. All right. <laughs> 
Well, I figure, I mean, she's already on the site, like, posting derogatory comments anyway, so there, there's no really any point not to, to poke at her a little bit. Uh, it's probably belligerent everywhere, so. What? I said it's probably, the comments are belligerent, whatever the, the, the forum is. Oh, yeah, yeah. she, yeah, she, yeah. she is just not pleasant human being on the internet, <sighs> which is my only experience with her, so. Um... So, so I think that rounds out the rant. We were even able to bring in a particular person, and everybody knows I love to rant about particular people. <laughs> I just thought we were off air. <laughs> no, we're still recording. <laughs> oh, okay. We're going. All right, so we'll just make that another episode of Body IOFM. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, if you want more information, go to body.io, and we will hopefully be lucky enough to have you listen to the next episode you've been listening to body iofm with your hosts Kiefer and dr rocky if you'd like to hear more log on to body.io we'll be back next time with more science from the pinnacle of human health and performance